Hey everybody, welcome back to Author Eki. Today I have uh, Brett Allen, who are, I'm already liking, by the way. He's a armor cab officer. Uh, so, you guys don't know that, that uh, the creme de la creme of the armor officers. <laughs> <laughs> I want to piss a lot of people off. Ah, it goes, goes a goat. So, uh, <laughs> so, hey, I want to. Go ahead and welcome, uh, welcome you. Thank you for your service. I appreciate it. And the whole country does. And uh, tell us about yourself. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I am uh, born and raised in Michigan. Um, I went to Michigan State University after high school um, and basically couldn't figure out uh, what I wanted to do with my life. And um, I had, uh, when I, came up through high school, my senior year was September 11. So I uh, oh, wow. almost enlisted right there. Um, my parents kind of talked me into getting some college in. So I went and after the first two years, wasn't really satisfied with what I was doing, nor did I felt like I had a clear direction of where I was going. Um, my dad found the uh, two-year ROTC catch-up program at Michigan State. Um, so I did a bunch of training in between my, uh, sophomore and junior year to kind of catch up with the, uh, the rest of the class and then joined my junior year into ROTC and completed the last two years. So then I commissioned into the army as soon as I graduated as a, uh, uh, second Lieutenant in the armor branch. And, uh, 10 days after I graduated, I was driving down to Fort Knox, Kentucky to go through armor <laughs> officer basic. Uh, there you go. I had orders to go to the 173rd airborne in Germany, uh, to their cav unit. And, uh, about two weeks into AOBC, the four guys that were, were ordered to go there got new orders. Uh, two guys got sent to Fort Polk, Louisiana to play op four platoon leaders. And, uh, me and a buddy, my you just sent shivers up my spine because that's how I retired. I was assistant ops sergeant of the second ACR. That just sent shivers up my spine when I went like that. Yep. <laughs> I, I mean, of the two crappy orders, sets of orders there were, I got the better one because oh, me and a buddy got uh stuck at Fort Knox being basic training XOs. Okay, so I was there for an extra year, uh, basically as a, a basic training XO. And then uh, headed up to Fort Drum, New York, with the 10th Mountain Division, which is where I spent the rest of my time, uh, deployed with them to Afghanistan in 2009. Um, and then uh, when I came back in 2010, I, I got out, and uh, the, the events of our deployment had kind of planted some seeds in my mind uh, of something I wanted to write. Um, I dabbled in writing a little bit in college um, and a little bit through my time in the Army, uh, but uh, I really started working in, on it in earnest after that, um, doing basically everything wrong that you can do wrong in writing um, as I was learning the process and uh, um, eventually kicked out my first book, Kilroy Was Here. Um, which is loosely based on my 2009 deployment, uh, but it's kind of a dark humor satire. Of, mm -hmm. It's like the, the movie Office Space mixed with Catch-22, if you want to call it something oh, okay. like that. And okay. then uh, um, it got picked up by A15 Publishing, which is a, a military publisher. 
and um, uh, the rest was kind of history from there. Um, and then I started working on the next book as soon as that one came out, which just came out recently, um, Sly Fox Hollow, um, which uh, just released a couple months ago. And that is a complete departure from the, the military theme, but it's mm-hmm. uh, still in the comedy theme. It's a uh, murder mystery slash political satire. Oh, excellent. There's not enough of those. I mean, there's a lot of comedy books. I mean, there used to be a couple, but you really don't find those anymore. So what? I think it's because they don't sell. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I like reading funny books every once in a while. So writing a book is like being a private in the army. You don't know anything. You know, you started a private, then you move up through the ranks, uh, and finally you get to a point where you get a book, re- you know, book out, and you're like, oh, you know, okay, I made it. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to start over on something else. So it's, it's interesting. So what, I mean, you, what started just writing just, okay, I think I, I want to write about this when you're in Afghanistan and you started putting uh, pen to paper or you just had those ideas fester in your head till you got back. Yeah, it was a little of both. Um, so I, I remember very vividly making a comment to uh, one of the other guys I worked with that no one would ever believe some of this stuff if I wrote it as fiction in a book. And uh, that, that kind of just snowballed from there. We had a lot of odd things happen on our deployment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people would be surprised at how much of the, the book is actually based on real events. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it kind of festered in my head from there. Um, when I got back, uh, it was the whirlwind of trying to find a new job and I uh, started dating my now wife. So there were, mm-hmm. there were a lot of things going on and I would make notes occasionally. Um, it was probably about a year and a half after I get out, got out that I really started putting pen to paper, um, doing some major outlining and then started writing a first draft. Was she like, put that thing down. We're going to go out. <laughs> yep. Yep, or it was more of like, uh, what did I get myself into? I didn't know you were going to try to do this. <laughs> you're gone more the, when you're in the Army and you're at home. I mean, it's, uh... <laughs> yep, no, unfortunately, that's, that's still the case. Like, you get an idea in your head, and you're you're living there for quite a while. So Exactly, exactly. So tell us about your new book. So, the idea, and you know, how, you, yeah. how you just kind of fetched it. So I, I originally kind of came up with the idea back in 2016 ish, uh, with the election craziness that year. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be funny to see that national divisiveness shrunk down into like a small town setting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wanted to do a picture or a, a, a book that took this picture, picturesque small town and like, turn it into basically a civil war over a, a devi- divisive mayoral election. Um, so I, I started piecing together ideas for that. And then I re- came across an idea for uh, the major divisive piece. I, I needed something to, to stoke fear in the people in the town. And I came across the legend of the Michigan dog man. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's not in the or, or the, or the beast of Bray road. If you've ever heard that it's the West Conchin version version or the Chupacabra down in New Mexico. It's basically oh, like, a, 
Pop monster in Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. So it's like yeah, okay. a, basically like a Bigfoot esque type creature. Um, and it, around here in Michigan, it's hit and miss if people are aware of it. But when you do find somebody that knows about it, they're like, oh, yeah, the Michigan dog man. Oh, so much with it. Yeah. So I wanted to, to spread awareness of the Michigan yeah. dog man. Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> But I thought that would be a good catalyst for these politicians to to stoke fear on both sides and kind of turn the town in on each other. Um, and so I kind of went from there. And then as I was writing it, we went through the whole COVID ordeals mm-hmm. and the riots and all that kind of got slowly built into, uh, into the storyline. Um, not exactly, but those whole... Mm-hmm. the way people were used against each other to, to kind of divide and, and conquer from my point of view. Uh, but yeah, so it, it kind of came out of an election and then it just at, over the years kind of picked up steam and, and there's no shortage of material when it comes to, to that topic. So it's something that you couldn't even write. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's happening. You see things in the world. And I'm like, I write fiction. And then he came up with it. I mean, yeah. It's just so bizarre that yep. you're scratching your head like, man, oh, man. So when, when do you find time to write? Do you have to write in a sterile environment? Can you write with ambient noise, white noise? What do you, what do you favor? Uh, if I can get distraction-free, that's perfect. Um, I did a lot of this book um, and a lot of Kilroy either before everybody in the house is awake or after they went to bed. Uh, I, I, my job allows me to get some work done at work. Uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, there's a lot of phone calls, a lot of walk-ins, things like that. No shortage of distractions there. Uh, so the quality writing comes usually at home when everybody else is asleep. You you set a goal for yourself. Like I want to do a thousand words. I want to do a chapter or what? You know, what, what do you what do you find it preferable to you? Um, my usual goal is about 500 words a day. Um, mm-hmm. That's if I'm doing like a first draft. Um, if I'm editing, it's really just until I can make whatever chunk I'm working on sing. Um, yeah. The for the last year, I, I stopped doing this uh, back in july but uh in july of last year i decided i was going to do 500 words a day of new fiction no matter what every single day so i i did that i i wrote 500 words a day even if i was out of town we went on a camping trip i took a notebook with me wrote it in uh in uh in the woods and uh, it was great i got like two basically two first drafts of two separate novels down on paper and uh a couple of short stories and it was a hugely successful experiment but i got to the point where i was just writing new stuff all the time and i wasn't going back and getting any editing because i it's have limited time to do it mm-hmm. um so i pumped the brakes on that uh as of the end of the summer and i'm starting to go back and edit some of that stuff that uh i produced in the last year but i'm i've probably would jump back into doing that as soon as I knock out this next novel and 
Yeah, I would. Uh, I do. I would. I, I try to write a thousand words a day. Finding myself doing that, adding at the same time. Yeah. Or like today, I went back and added some things to the first page or two because I wanted to make it more graphic. Okay. It's a it's a it's a it's historical World War One uh, fiction. Okay. And I wanted to make uh, more graphic the carnage in a city that's you know been at war for. Well, the Americans got there in 1918, really, 1918 to fight, 1917 or so, but um, the parties of the town and what it kind of depicted. So I find myself doing that. So that does, you know, you write a lot of new, then you go back and say, okay, I want to look at this or uh, anything about historical fiction, you know, that if, if I want to put something I think is factual, it better be factual because somebody will find it uh, right. and nail you on it. Uh, so, I mean, I've just, I mean, I've got, you know, tons of stuff. You know, PDFs at the yin yang that I'm reading, uh, all those books that I'm reading, you know, I want to make it factual, but yeah, it's a the story behind it, it's fiction. Right. But, but I do enjoy that. So, what, what are, you, are you kind of content on what you're writing now, or do you want to turn to another genre? Do you have other things you think you want to go into? Yeah, I, people have asked me about the genre thing uh, because I switched from war comedy to, to mystery slash political. Um, and I think comedy is kind of my wheelhouse, I think. Uh, so I'll stick with that. But as other than that, I'm just going to, whatever, whatever makes me happy, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> if I'm not excited doing it, it's not going to be any good. So right. I'm working okay. on a, a Western comedy right now. So. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I would do a thriller suspense thrillers. Right? Third one. 40,000 words into it, and this idea popped in for this uh, fictional. I stopped. Don't you love that? And I just, now I'm, I'm, I'm about 12,000 words in this. I started it last week because the that's, stuff is just kind of flowing. That's awesome. That's all. Yeah. Uh, but now I'm getting into, okay, you know, when the uh, first century marched through Paris on July 4th, you know, I think it was 1917, which way did they go? If I say they marked, through the Arc the Triumph, or from the Arc the Triumph, or then they're, well, then somebody can say, right. You know, there, there's a lot of, and, but there's stuff everywhere for research, which I, lo- I love doing that aspect of, of the books or, or the research. Is then I'm, uh, you know, I can be at a party and talk to almost everybody, and eventually I turn around, nobody's talking to me anymore. <laughs> I don't know if you think to them at all. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. So, what's your wife think of this? I mean, you know, that's pretty, I'm pretty cool that everybody can write a book or a couple. And get them out there. Yeah. So what did you think of that? She thinks it's pretty cool. Um, she uh, she's a big reader, so she's usually my my first line. If I, I have something that I mm-hmm. think's great, I'll run it past her, and she'll definitely give me an honest answer on whether it's actually great or not. Uh, I hate those. Don't you hate those? those- <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> sometimes it's not as great as I think it is. Um, it's my, my problem too. But no, uh, she uh, she's very supportive of it. Um, she is the director of teaching and learning here at the the school district that we're in. Okay. Um, so her job is much more stressful than my job. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's actually kind of what allowed me to make a lot of progress in these books is that uh, because her job got much harder uh, recently, mm-hmm. uh, I took a step back in my. 
I guess, day job um, and uh, went from working a pretty stressful job to working a not so stressful job for one of my best friends from college. Uh, I worked cool. with his law firm and basically the understanding was whatever time I'm not actively engaged in law firm business, I can spend writing my books. And so you're going to get some stories out of there. Yeah. What's up with the emergency room? I'm taking notes. <laughs> it's going to make it the probable diability and everything. That's excellent. Well, uh, you have a publisher. And uh, just for the first one. Just for yeah. the, what are you going to do for the other? Are you going to self-publish or? Yep. So for Sly Fox Hollow, I actually started my own LLC, uh, Hogwash Publishing, and I, I published through that. So um, I'm, I, I'll probably go through the same process with the next one where I'll shop it around to agents and maybe a few select small publishers. Uh, and if there's uh, no bites, then I'll, I'll self-publish and move on to the next. What were your, you know, I talked to a lot of authors and found is it's about a you know 33 33 33 almost right percent on self-publishing maybe hybrid or traditional publishing but then some of the traditional published uh, authors are starting to do their own self-published good it's, it's not as difficult as it used to be i think the only thing that maybe did versus being able to get a brick and mortar maybe yeah. the only thing that the traditional publishers have over all the other uh, types of publishing. So what was your biggest hurdle when you set yourself public? The marketing is still my biggest oh, hurdle. Yeah. Um, and, and really, with the traditional publishing, that's the self-publishing was easy. It was, it was way easier than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got lucky. I, I've got a friend who does some graphic stuff, so he's done both my covers for me. Oh, excellent. Um, but... <laughs> it's just getting the word out to people. And I mean, you've got social media is like the primary way to do that now, especially mm-hmm. if, I mean, I got two small kids and both myself and my wife work. So being able to like drive around to bookstores and do different events and talk my book in person is, is just not in the cards right now. Um, so I'm relying a lot on social media. And once you hit the end of those, algorithm reaches it's really hard to get beyond that and get exposure beyond that um so that's been the biggest hurdle and that's where i can see going the traditional route um there would be a lot of benefit in having a publisher's marketing backing but at the same time is if, if you're a new author how much dedicated marketing are you going to get unless exactly. you've got a breakout book or something so since you live in michigan there's a program that I don't remember how, and in Texas, it's Kroger. Michigan's the Meyer, where yep. you can join a program and then schedule time in the, in, the, in the stores to sell your book. Really? Yeah, I'll send you the information. I'll send you the guy's name. I forget what it's called, but it's a very good program. I've sold hundreds of books uh, doing that program. And it, okay. it's, it's kind of nice because then you get to see the who you know demographics right. of, who's, of who's buying the book. Um, yeah. And so I'll send you that to the uh, the podcast here, and you reach out to his name's Ray, okay. and uh, reach out to him, and they'll check your book out. If it kind of, I'm sure yours fits right in. To be honest with you, and okay. uh, that'd be awesome. Put it out there, put a little little table and your wares, and boom, you know, be selling out of your trunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Selling in the winter. 
Uh, but yeah, so it's a, it's a pretty good program. But you're right. The marketing is, has to be. I don't think there's a squirrel that has broke that nut yet. I, yeah. I mean, I, I just, I don't think so. Uh, you know, social media, you got a brand, right? You got to brand yourself. Uh, and then how do you, you know, get out there to get people start reading it? I, the thing is uh, review. You want those reviews, those are critical, the algorithm and Amazon or however that magical thing work, the pixie dust or whatever you want to put on there. Uh, yeah, so, so how do, how do you, what do you, what do you find most effective? So far in the marketing aspect, and I was told by an author or so, spend an hour a day marketing, no matter what you're doing. So just an hour a day, whether that's making a JPEG or whatever, spend an hour. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have found I get the most response probably when I am informing people about an event or something. Um, so like, uh, last or two weeks ago, I did a book reading at the library of my hometown, which the mm-hmm. town is, uh, what Sly Fox hollow was based on. So that got a lot of good response. I had a lot of people show up for that. Um, but it got a lot of good online response too. Um, over the summer I did a marketing stunt where I said, if I reached a, a certain number in pre-orders, I was going to run a 5k road race in a giant fox head, uh, plush fox head that I'd found that with you. What's that? I don't. Yeah, that with you? It, the pictures are still online though. Um, I ended up doing it. My son ran the 5k oh, with me. Um, oh, and that, that generated tons of sales. Um, oh, heck yeah. so, you know what uh, they said? There's a Michigan uh, dog man or whatever. Yep. Yep. So it's, it's, it's still, it's stuff tough to balance the, you don't want people to get like sick of your antics on the online and, and all that. But, um, those have been my best responses. Um, and then I, I try to do some daily posts. Uh, but right now my struggle is trying to get away from the social media uh, because it it can suck you in and become a giant time eater when you have limited time to write. Um, so I've been trying to push myself away from those platforms a little bit as I'm working on this next book. Yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree with you on that because you'll be you know you'll be creating a a tweet. I think they still call them. I don't know what they call them anymore. Whatever. And then you'll see something in somebody's feed that you want to comment on or something. Then, okay, then that distracts you. Uh, yep. Facebook, Facebook doesn't distract me too much. Um, Instagram, but I mean, I'm on it and I put little short things out there, what I call nuggets, but you know, Twitter, probably the, the most, uh, time energy sucking thing and no demand, but you almost need to be on it. Right. Yes. Yeah. I'm just easily distracted. I like, I'm like a squirrel. Well, I'm, I'm like a squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> I'll like, like post something and then I'll be like, all right, I'm just going to like, I'll come back and look at it later. And then like 10 minutes later, I hit like some block in the writing yeah. and I'm just like, Oh, I wonder how that tweet's doing. And then like 15 minutes later, I've, I've been on Twitter scrolling and not writing. So that's why I have my windows closed because I have squirrels in my tree and I'll sit there and look at them. Man, I'm just like, <laughs> I just can't fit in the attic. Um, or nobody wants to shoot me either. No, that's good. But so the mar- the marketing is a tough part. So uh, and you're writing a third, right? You're writing another novel. Is it the same? Um, 
premise type thing, or is it going to be located in the Michigan area? Or how, no, how it's actually, uh, actually located out in New Mexico. Uh, okay. so, but I, like you, I've been doing a lot of research. Like it, it's the concept for this novel was born from a different novel that I started and I got a ways into it. And I was like, in the, in the novel I had originally started, there was, there's this ghost town that, uh, they come to. I was like, Oh, it'd be cool if I wrote like a short story that was kind of like the history of this ghost town. So I started to do that. And then the ideas just started to snowball and pretty soon it was a full length, uh, thing. So, um, it's basically the the rise and fall of this mining town that becomes a, a, a ghost town uh, for this next book. Um, but yeah, it's set in New Mexico and I've been doing a lot of like research on mm-hmm. maps and like where trains ran back in the 1880s. Yeah, time, don't let me say that train didn't. That right. was engine number 56. Right. Yep. So I'm like you, I, I, I got to have it right or I can't yeah. get get over it in my head so yeah i gotta i gotta have well the western because there's a lot of history history in about the old west right and so what kind of guns were they were they cold or right. it, uh, winchester you know what kind of saddle was it you know the, the, the blankets you yeah so that is all yeah that's, hey, that's a road trip man i know right that's, that's a uh... time so we got right there. Holy cow. Tax, tax deduction, too. That's right. That, too. <laughs> I, love, I was in Europe last year, researched the book. And, yeah. Nice. So my wife's German. Yeah. Get her over there and everything. But uh, excellent, excellent. So when you're not writing and you're not working, what do you what do you like to do? How do you, you know, maintain sanity? I drive my kids around. That's pretty much all I do. <laughs> Near that age. Yeah, yeah. So I got a daughter who's in gymnastics and dance, and I've got a son who does football or not football, uh, soccer, pretty much year round. So oh, wow. we were driving around most weeknights. Uh, on the weekends, we we go up north. Um, there, there's a we got a cottage on a lake up uh, in Nuevo County, north of where I live, uh, mm-hmm. on a small little lake. Um, so we like to go hang out there. Um, other than that though, uh, we just try to keep up with the kids. Well, I'm going to help everybody. A cottage is either a cabin, some for like the United States or it's a lake house in the other. So I noticed when I talk to folks in, you know, Michigan and maybe Wisconsin or wherever it's, it, it, even, you know, Canada is a, is a cottage. I'm like, okay, that, okay. That's a cabin. Got to decide, right? You know, people. I talk mold myself, so I talk to some older folks about you know, VCR. So I have to explain to the younger generation what a VCR is, or you know, dial to telephone. But well, yeah. now even a DVD player. I had to try to figure out how to hook up a DVD player again last week because some a friend sent me a, a Blu-ray of a movie I wanted to see. And I was like. I don't have anything to play this on. So I had to like dig out an old DVD player and try to hook it up to a TV that didn't have connections for it. That's when you call your platoon sergeant. Right. <laughs> they, they call a specialist over. So if they get in trouble there, they're not, it's not their fault. So that's the way you do it. So 
So you think the ar- so the army definitely had an impact on you in your writing. You can write what you want to write. You think you'll ever do, you know, a serious type book of you know, what you know, happened or or tuned in what you did, anything like that. I don't know. Uh, from a, from the military standpoint, I don't know that I would. Um, just because because of my experience, um, I had blown out my knee uh, before I left Fort Knox, and it ended up being like a full ACL replacement and uh, meniscus repair and things. So that the way it happened was I, I got injured at Fort Knox. The doctor there was like, "You're fine. Uh, go ahead and go to your next sprint." Yeah, exactly. So I went up to uh, Fort Drum and I took over a platoon up there and everything was hunky-dory for a few months. And then my knees started slipping, um, especially uh, walking around on the ice and stuff. And then we were running uh, platoon lanes in uh, the spring and my uh, squadron commander was walking the lane behind me. We were assaulting an objective my knee popped out rather loudly. Uh, I went down and he was like, holy shit. Like, you, <laughs> you got to get to a doctor. So they sent me back to the doctor and they finally ordered an MRI and figured out that my ACL was completely torn. Um, wow. So I ended up having like a chunk of my hamstring taken out to use as my ACL. And it was a big thing. I got moved from my platoon up to a staff position. Mm-hmm. So I ended up, uh, in on a staff position in the S3 shop for our entire deployment. I uh, was the, the air planner, um, so uh, planned reconnaissance missions mm-hmm. for the helicopter or the aviation unit attached to us. I did resupply missions, ran the airfield, all that yeah. stuff. Uh, but there wasn't a lot of uh, a lot of fodder for non humorous content, I guess. Yeah. Super well, it's a matter of time for you, anyways, before you get put in one of the S shops. Right, right. Yeah. That was just you just did it earlier. It was just a matter of time before the third S three, S two, one for bonus four. Yep, it was just I I'd I'd hoped to deploy in a platoon leader position and get a little bit of uh, time on the ground, and then that kind of led to my decision to get out uh, too. Because I mean, mm-hmm. when I was in, pretty much everybody heading to the career course uh, for the captain's career course had combat time under their belt. And I would have been one of a few that didn't. Um, and I just decided that I would probably call it, call it a day. Yeah. Smoking. Yeah. Town. Well, so, I mean, the service is amazing. Take one, it's 1% of a dependable country. Which is a shame. Yeah. But the bad thing is probably only 1% physically able to do it. Right, I mean, I, yeah. which is even worse. Yeah, it's even worse. It's crazy. <laughs> I I will say that is one thing I have man, maintained since I got out is uh, I get up every day at five a.m. and head downstairs and work out, and it, I just feel so much better my day with that under my belt. So I did. You, I, I I I'm a fast walker, anyways. So I get out and I walk. You know, I try three and a half, five miles. Depends on you know time. I'm, I'm I'm motivated when I walk. Yeah. I just want to get done. Other than soldier art, I just want to be done. I, I'm going to do it, but I want to get done. So yep. leave me alone. 
So where where can everybody find you? Um, so I, you can find me on Twitter, uh, and Instagram at the same handle hogwash writing. Um, I'm on Facebook. I have both a, a personal page that I'm not uh, too picky with and, a, an author page up there. Um, you can find both the books on Barnes and Noble on Amazon. Um, any bookstore can bring in either titles for you. Um, they're both available through Ingram Spark, so they can order it from Excellent. anywhere. So, excellent. So let's see that. Let's see that book again. I got both of them here. So yeah, there's uh, Sly Fox Hollow is the most recent, and then the uh, the Afghanistan book Kilroy was here. Then you have to explain what Kilroy is from uh, from World War II, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so that was. Uh, another aha moment. Like as I, I was already well into the book and I, I came across uh, the, the Kilroy stuff from world war two. And I was like, ah, that'd be a perfect title. Cause the whole, the, the concept for the book is this, uh, this Lieutenant, he, he wants to leave his mark on the war in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. but he's kind of relegated to a desk job uh, when he gets over there and mm-hmm. doesn't feel like he's going to be able to make an impact or leave his mark. And, Kilroy was here. It was the way U.S. soldiers used to leave their mark around battlefields in World War II. So I was like, yeah, that's a, that's a perfect fit. Um, I'm sure you made a great impact, actually. You just don't realize it. Yeah. I'm sure you did. There's no doubt about that. Probably many soldiers think for what you did. What you did. Never underestimate what one soldier could do to morale, anywhere in the food chain or any MOS. Everybody makes a difference. One, they're, if they're the weak link, and chain doesn't work. But that's a simple fact. So great. Well, Brett, there's a lot of weak links in the book. So yeah, <laughs> you guys go out and get his book. It's uh, it might be enjoyable to read for Christmas, and especially what's going on in the world. Maybe a joke or a laugh or two would help you out. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, Brett, it's been a pleasure meeting you, and again, thank you for your service. I appreciate it. And uh, that, folks, have a good time. Thank Bye. you for having me. Yes, sir. Bye-bye.